everybody. Welcome to the Yes Men podcast. I'm Doug Williams alongside Lou DiPietro. I don't normally do the intro to the podcast, but today we're having a friend of mine on and actually a guy that I really look up to in this business, uh, Rich Eisen, NFL Network's very own. And obviously he's a busy guy right now. The NFL draft is just about a day away. Uh, it's tomorrow, Thursday. Um, Rich, how is the scene in New York? I'm guessing you're a little busy right now. Yes, very much so. Uh, but it's, it's beautiful here. I heard it was a brutal winter. Uh, I brought the Southern California weather from the NFL Network's home base, um, and it's it's great, um, Doug, Lou. I mean, this is a uh, two-week uh, delay than what we're used to having for the draft. Never really been held in May, so the anticipation's through the roof. And then the name players that are going to be up for grabs Thursday night um, help help the process immeasurably. You know, last year, three of the first four picks were left tackles, which you wouldn't say is the sexy position in the National Football League if there was one. So with uh, um, Davian Clowney and Khalil Mack, the top-notch defenders, and uh, three quarterbacks of note that people think are going to be first-round choices, Johnny Mantell being the first one off the board, you know, former Heisman Trophy winner and a guy who who has uh, caught the glare um, of the media spotlight from – you know, Saturday night football and bowl games to TMZ Sports. You know, so there's a lot of interest in him, and um, and then there are uh, left tackles uh, in this draft who are potentially better than the ones that were drafted at the top of the draft board last year. So there's going to be no shortage of things to talk about right at the top of the draft Thursday night. Now, I know you said left tackle might not be the sexy position, but I'm sure there's a hundred or so quarterbacks in the league that might disagree with you on that one, uh, just in terms of keeping them upright. You mentioned uh, Jadavian Clowney and Khalil Mack. You guys had your mock draft show last night. So so if you can, give us and give our listeners, who do you think is your top five tomorrow night? Well, I mean, in our mock draft that we had last night with Mike Mayock, our commissioner of that mock draft, um, Brian Billick chose Clowney first overall, which is, I think, the consensus first overall pick. Uh, and then, you know, the Rams sit there at number two and have Sam Bradford under contract. He's coming off of a knee injury, but on my podcast a couple weeks ago, Les Snead, the general manager, came on and, again, as he has done in virtually every media outlet that he's appeared in, uh, reaffirmed their belief in Sam Bradford as the quarterback of, of the present and future. That uh, Bradford has, uh, they've, you know, he was the last, I believe, last quarterback to be paid under the old draft structure, the insane draft salary structure where a player came off of the college football field and before he played a single down in the NFL became the highest paid player in the history of the franchise. So they've already put a ton of money into him and uh, developed him. And why would they let him go somewhere else after putting all those resources into him? That's their philosophy. Um, Marshall Falk, though, who had the pick in our mock draft, the all-time great Ram, chose Johnny Manziel with that pick. I don't know if that's going to happen. If it does, our heads will pop off our collective necks during our coverage <laughs> tomorrow night. It'll be fun to There's watch. There's no other way to put it. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. And then, I, you know, uh, if not, though, I think the Rams will probably go with one of the left tackles. Greg Robinson out of Auburn is uh, apparently an all-time talent. Um, and then you've got the three quarterback needy teams, which um, uh, the best guess for Manziel landing would be Cleveland at number four. That's the way people are looking at it right now. And I guess the, my main question about this draft, and obviously it's I'm, I have this in common with a lot of people, and, and it's that you know Blake Bortles and Johnny Football are you know classic QB versus new age QB, you know the bigger body versus the guy who's going to run out of the pocket, you know. 
and do you think there's any way that we get to tomorrow and and GMs kind of get cold feet about Johnny Football? They at the last minute kind of are saying to themselves, is there a chance that he can't handle the NFL? Is there a chance that he can't escape out of the pocket and remain healthy in a 17-game schedule? I, I, I don't know. I just think there's a chance that they'll look at a guy like Blake Bortles and say he has more uh, ability for the longevity. What do you think? Well, I mean, if Bortles goes before Manziel, that would be another uh, head popping off our collective next moment Thursday night, too. Um, I, that, that would be a major surprise. But it's uh, absolutely in the realm of, of possible, Doug. There's no doubt about it. Especially when you take a look at, at um, this draft, with Clowney supposedly being an all-time talent at pass rush, with Mack being a special linebacker with uh, once-in-a-lifetime ability. I mentioned Greg Robinson, Jamie Dukes, our offensive lineman on staff at the network, says he reminds him of Walter Jones. We've heard Orlando Pace mentioned for somebody uh, like Robinson. And then Sammy Watkins and Mike Evans are two of the best wide receivers that have come out of the college game in a long time. Uh, the Michael Irvin, who is our obviously resident wide receiving expert, uh, thinks that Mike Evans... Uh, Sammy Watkins reminds him of Des Bryant, and Mike Evans reminds him of Calvin Johnson. <laughs> and, and, and it is possible that Evans goes before Watkins tomorrow night. So I just mentioned five all-world uh, uh, talents. None of them were named Johnny Manziel. It's entirely possible that he falls past five. Uh, and then when the Vikings are on the clock at eight, Norv Turner, who's the new offensive coordinator in Minnesota for Mike Zimmer, who is also from the Dallas days when they were winning championships. The type of quarterback that Norv likes is not Manziel, it's Bortles. You look at Aikman, look at the guys that he has used in his, in his career. So I, I sort of just painted a scenario for you where it, that might happen. I just, I, I, I would just be stunned. I mean, look at it this way. Uh, but the draft, draft people don't draft people just for the pizzazz factor. That's just uh, a media creation for folks, you know, hacks like me. Um, but nobody's talking about week one's Jacksonville at Pittsburgh game right now. We're talking about week one, Seattle's hosting Green Bay and the fail Mary repeats. Uh, we're looking at Andrew Luck opening up in Peyton Manning's house, the Niners and Cowboys opening together, the Saints and Falcons, a big NFC South game is week one. Nobody's talking about Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. If Jacksonville goes ahead and chooses Johnny Mandel, guess what? That country, that, that half the country is going to see Johnny Manziel's first game in Pittsburgh against Big Ben, um, Mike Tomlin's home opener with uh, Dick LeBeau. He's going to be the first guy who's going to have to corral Johnny football. Uh, I don't know if Jacksonville makes a choice based on that. Um, uh, we will see. We, we will see. And that's the exciting part about all this. Yeah, somehow that, that Jacksonville game all of a sudden becomes a national game then, too, because here it is, Johnny Football, on, on the big stage for the first time. You know, well, I mean, and you also, have, you also have the Browns opening up against the Ravens. Nobody's talking about that. That could change. And certainly the Raiders at the Jets, if Johnny Football's first career game is in MetLife against Rex Ryan and the Jets, I mean, how in the world do you not tune in to see Manziel running around in silver and black? I mean, um, that would be exciting in my mind. But again, that's not general managers don't make picks based on the wow factor. They just don't. That's us. Right. And, and you mentioned, you know, there's various landing spots for him. Every, every year there's at least one guy who, who slides down the draft. You know, it was Aaron Rodgers a few years ago, the most notable name. Brady Quinn's done it as well. 
you know, if, if Johnny Manziel ends up not even going, say, to, to Cleveland at 26, I, I mean, if something happens with that, no one's going to care that he was the number 26 pick as long as he lands in a spot that's ideally suited for him, right? Yeah, we, we, we still, you know, and Aaron Rodgers still wears that on his shoulder, though. It's part of woven into their DNA. You know, we will, if, if, again, I, I think that scenario, there's no way that happens. But there are some draft experts that say that Manziel is, a, you know, I mean, Jaworski said at one point he's not even a third-round talent. I, I don't understand that. But um, uh, that said, I mean, yeah, where, where you get drafted eventually doesn't matter. But it is woven into the DNA of a football player. I mean, Maurice Jones-Drew has been wearing the number 32 uh, his entire career because those are the number of teams that passed on him in the first round of his draft. Tom Brady, the fire that burns within him, part of it obviously comes from his upbringing and how he grew up and the fact that he had to share snaps with Drew Henson at Michigan and the crucible that he went through in the Big Ten, yes, but the fire that burns deep within him is still, still fueled by the fact he was the 199th overall pick in the 2000 draft. So, you know, uh, who knows what what chip, what shoulder chip might be created tomorrow night. I just, again, don't, I don't see Manziel slipping out of the top ten. I just don't. Uh, and, Rich, I know this is something that, you know, for the last few months has been basically all that you've been focused on and with all the player evaluations that take place. Well, seems- you, Doug, you know I'm a well-rounded individual, right? <laughs> you, know, well, I, you know I'm I'm. Of I, course, I, you're I, a jack-of-all-trades, you know, Rich. I've got three, three beautiful children. Of I'm course, a father you've and got a, husband, a great dog as, as well. As well as a, as a draft uh, uh Draft crazed individual, but you yeah. knew that anyway. I just but you have a whole. I, your our listeners, listeners should know that you have a whole yes. other life, and yes. I, I I do want to reiterate the cuteness of your dog is an Thank important you. part of your life. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, my rescue dog Hudson. I appreciate you uh, mentioning that too. So I'm a dog owner as well as a father and a husband. Okay. Um, I, so I'm again, glad. please go ahead with your question. Oh, well, I, but I, I felt was, the need to point that out. I'm glad I'm a you man did. of the world. Yes, you are. You're a seasoned okay. individual. Um, all I would say is I think about this a lot. All the player evaluations that happen from the time that these players graduate from college until they get drafted in the NFL, is there a possibility that unless you're Andrew Luck and you have every – ounce of talent that is possible for an individual to have do you think that these players are kind of set up to to disappoint by the time that draft day arrives well i mean when the guys like luck do it and look so good doing it right out of the box i mean the, the one quarterback i think of the past decade plus that really changed the game in that regard was was roethlisberger um you know ben chosen at the back end of uh, right in the middle of the first round you know, toward the top of the first round, but right in the middle, he was, I think it was a 12th overall pick to Pittsburgh. And man, he came right out of the box and won football games. And he won a lot of football games. And that changed a lot of people's philosophy that if we're going to choose a first round quarterback um, at the top of the draft, he's going to play. And man, we need him to start winning games. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is dealing with that right now. Jake Locker is dealing with that right now. So, you know, first overall quarterbacks are absolutely expected to perform and perform well right out of the gate. Um, but now all first-round quarterbacks, I, I believe, are expected to do that. So I don't know if they're set up to fail. Uh, it, it is definitely, you know, expected of them. And the fan base, um, we're spoiled. We're spoiled in the fan base. Certainly, you know, uh, coaches who, who's, 
whose job security rests on a on a limb. You look at Rex Ryan; he seems to be on a year-to-year contract now. Um, you got to win games, and that's why you know uh, Vic was brought in because if Geno Smith isn't the guy mid, you know, early on, that he's going to have a pretty quick hook, despite having 16 games under his belt from last year. So yeah, folks like Luck make it look easy, and but then there's somebody like RG3 who made it look easy the first year, and then the second year was an unmitigated disaster. So um, it's 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 a crapshoot, but it's it's our crapshoot, and we love it. Well, hopefully there's a lot of value in the middle of the round, you know, the middle of the first round this year for the New York teams. The Giants are at 12, and the Jets are in the middle of the round, but there's you know rumors they want to trade up. What do you see them doing? In the middle of the round, assuming the Jets don't trade up, there's rumors of them looking to, to go after Odell Beckham, who would instantly become the best receiver on their roster right away. If, if neither team kind of moves out of their position, where do you see them possibly going based on what's left? Right. Well, Eric Decker would probably disagree with you that he's Beckham That's would be the best on the roster. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 with the Jets sitting, I believe, at 19 or 18, they're, 18, they're sitting there and, you know, boy, they're, they're hoping – uh, one of those hard-hitting safeties is still there, I think. Uh, Calvin Pryor, the Louisville Slugger, which is the best nickname that's in the draft class this year. Um, he, you know, I'm, I think the Jets covet him. They clearly need a cornerback. They lost Cromartie. They didn't replace him in free agency. The whole city was howling about that. As Dominique Rogers Cromartie uh, did not sign with the Jets, but actually stayed in the building and signed with the Giants. So clearly they need to go corner. But if Beckham is sitting there or Brandon Cooks, of Oregon State is sitting there. I think they might go there. Or, um, you know, there's a very good linebacker in C.J. Mosley, and if they're lucky enough for Anthony Barr of UCLA to be sitting out there, I think the Jets would be all over him. The Giants, I think, need need whoever is the best left tackle available to keep Eli upright. I mean, Eli had a dreadful year last year, but he was pounded. I mean, he could hardly he could hardly do anything. And they didn't have the running attack to help balance it out or keep the – keep the, uh, 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 the opposing front seven from pinning their ears back and going and hunting him. So uh, if Lawan is available for Michigan still at 12, they, they'd love that. Uh, but Zach Martin of Notre Dame is somebody that Mike Mayock adores and thinks is just as good as any of the left tackles that are out there. So I think the Giants, that's who they're going to be looking at right there at, at 12. Well, Rich, uh, we thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I hope you can get some sleep tonight. Um, I yes. hope you can, you know, have a, an enjoyable day tomorrow and next three well, days. I guess it's and, a thirty rock day for me. I'm going. I'm doing Seth Meyers' show tonight. I'm not out of basically a two block radius. Good. So life is good and fun, and I'll do this anytime. You know that. All right. So I hope uh, everybody uh, watches that. I'll be watching. And there you go. Good and luck to you, Rich. Tomorrow. And enjoy uh, enjoy the draft tomorrow. Thanks, brother. All right, man. Thank you, Rich. You got it. Take care, guys. So that's Rich Eisen. Boy, he's had he's had a hell of a week. I bet. I mean, it's really unbelievable how much research a guy like that has to do to just know what he's talking about. I mean, like if you listen to him talk about the individual offensive linemen on each team, the, the possibilities of each pick, and he's the host of these shows. He's not a former player analyst. That's right. not his job. Right. He just knows. And and as as I said at the beginning, that's one of the reasons uh, he's a role model of mine because every time you watch him, he's not one of those guys that's just giving layups to the the people he's sitting at a desk with. He knows exactly what he should say 
and 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 he's done his research and that it to me is a lesson for for anybody who's you know don't be a talking head just you know add something sometimes there's a need to be a traffic cop as you like to put it yeah. but he he actually you know he adds to the discussion obviously as you just heard for the last 15 minutes you know he he knows what's going on i, I did cover the nfl for one year before before i came to yes and, and i remember at the draft we got books that were probably about as thick as an encyclopedia of just everything you need to know about guys from, you know, this year from Johnny Manziel and Jadavian Clowney down to Mr. Irrelevant to guys who, you know, were one-year starters and played eight games at D3 schools that might have a shot at being drafted. I mean, it's it's exhaustive research, but that's what makes him one of the best in the game, right? Right. right. And uh, so the NFL draft is tomorrow. It's I would say tomorrow is kind of like the perfect storm in sports because yeah. for a little while we've had the NFL kind of in in recess. Now mm-hmm. we have the NFL draft. We got you know NHL and NBA playoffs still in full swing, both of which have been amazingly good playoffs. Then you have also baseball as well in full swing. So yeah. um, it's it's a really great time, um, Lou. We have a bunch of things we want to talk about today, other than the NFL. Right before we get into that, I was going to say too that the draft. Rich did mention the draft is a couple weeks later this year than it usually is. Yes. So that'll be interesting to see as the summer goes on if that affects anybody who's drafted this year in terms of getting to know things or OTAs or summer camp. You know, two weeks makes a lot of difference when you're a rookie. It so, was a long. It was a long time waiting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the players would would you know agree with that sentiment that it's just it's a yep. long time between all these uh, you know player evaluations. Mm-hmm. They just want to be on a team and start practicing, mm-hmm. and the receivers want to get you know catch passes from the quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks want to throw passes to their receivers. Mm-hmm. And it's it changes things thing. in free agency too because it puts back you know it puts an extra couple weeks on the clock there. So you there's time for guys to impress more in the draft. There's time for guys to drop more in the draft. There's time for guys to get hurt. Unfortunately, there's. More free agents that are out there where you say, well, you know, we can still fill this need cheaply here, so maybe it'll change our draft thinking. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that all comes together come September. Uh, So the NBA is in a really great period right now, other than the fact that Donald Sterling put a black eye in it uh, last week. Right. It's really – it's been interesting to to watch that story kind of evolve Mm -hmm. with maybe one of the best – uh, playoffs that I've ever seen. Yep. It, it, I always bash the NBA for not having any parity, uh, for knowing, you know, we think we know early on in the season who's going to be in the finals. Well, it doesn't look like Indiana's going to be in the finals. The, you know, the Heat still look yep. like the best team in the NBA. They're up one nothing on the Nets, which we'll get to. There's no way to predict what's going to happen this year, and that's so great in, its, in itself. I mean, obviously, the games are going to overtime, et cetera, but yep. it's just – it's really – it's been a great playoff. And the Clippers winning game one against the Thunder, who you picked to, to win the West, um, you know that series is going to be a dogfight. No, yeah. no matter who wins or how many games, whether it's a sweep or a seven-game series, it's going to be a dogfight, much like, you know – I'll say Heat Bulls last year. You know, that was a short series, but it was a dogfight. Every game was a tough, gritty, close game. I love how you like to bring up when my teams that I pick lose. And well, I, I, I don't I bring up the, the fact that you, you know, you picked Colton Wong to win Rookie of the Year and he's not in the major leagues I, right I now. I did pick Colton Wong to win Rookie of the Year. I don't bring a long way to go. Up. Long way to go. Ryan Braun didn't come up till May of his rookie year, and he won. So Billy Hamilton only has 17 stolen bases or whatever it is. Yeah, so, you know. you know, he's doing pretty well. I feel pretty confident about my pick. Maybe did I get game one wrong of the playoffs? Yeah. But it's early, like you said. Oh, no. I, believe me, I, I would also say that here we are sitting with the Wizards with a one nothing lead on the Pacers. But, 
you know what? The Pacers were down, the Pacers were down pretty much the majority of the first round and came back to win. Yeah, in maybe seven, this so will just become what they do. You know, yeah. just like get to the brink of elimination and then turn on the Jets. I don't think maybe it's as big of a disaster as people think. Roy, something wrong with Roy Hibbert, but other than that, I think their team is maybe improving a little bit as a whole. Well, I'm pretty sure Roy Hibbert is on a milk carton at this point, based Something's, on the way he's performing the playoffs. Up. But... Something is up. Um, yeah. So the Heat yeah. beat the Brooklyn Nets. Yep. Badly. Badly. Uh, were you able to catch any of the game? I listened to some of it. Uh, yesterday was the beginning of my rec softball season. So I listened to the fourth quarter on the way home from my game. And, and it was, uh, even by then, obviously I didn't, I didn't see or hear any of the first three quarters, but I saw the score and tuned in with about nine minutes left and could already tell that they were both in, let's get these last nine minutes over with and move on to game two mode. Right. And I, I, I don't think – I didn't think that the Nets would go in to Miami in game one and beat them. Uh, you never right. know. Miami could, could get a little complacent in game two and give one up to, to the Nets. You know, the hard thing is the, the Miami Heat were, like, in the Bahamas on vacation. Yeah, they had a week off. Yeah, I mean, so, so that – as much as you were always, well, maybe the rest will hurt them. Maybe it, it, it really doesn't. I, I don't, don't buy, buy it at it. all. Never bought it. Especially since the Nets had to go on the road. They fought all the way to the last second of game seven, and then here they are two days later having to go from Toronto to Miami, which is not a, not a short flight. The only time that I ever have agreed with that is when I used to play, we'd go down to Florida, play baseball. We'd go down to Florida for spring training. Your arm is rusty. You haven't thrown in months. Mm-hmm. That's when your arm is sore. Right. You don't have the velocity you normally do. It takes some time. But that's months. Right. A week Five off Five days is, is rest. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a big difference between rest and time off. Right. And when you're as banged up as these NBA guys are, especially Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. this does wonders for the Miami Heat. Wonders. Three, three, four days is a magic elixir for some of right. these guys. You know, and LeBron, I mean, we've said it many times. The guy has a third, fourth, and fifth gear in the playoffs. I mean, it, he's just a monster. Um, we'll see what happens in game two. Uh, you know, the Nets still have to have that confidence. They, they were 4-0 and against Miami this season. A lot of them, you know, all of them were close games, but they were 4-0. and So, all right, yesterday notwithstanding, the Heat were rested. The Nets were maybe banged up, tired, long flight, this, that, the other thing. We've seen, you know, Elaine Vigneault said it with the Rangers. They, they had to play, what, five games in seven days? I mean, that's, that's tough. Even when you're used to playing every other day or, you know, two out of three or whatever, that's tough, especially in an atmosphere where the, the, the pressure and the, the spotlight is jacked up as it is, you know, for the Nets in the, in the first round in that, in that great series of the Raptors now against the premium team in the East in Miami. It, it, it does have an effect. Okay, so give me a second. I'm going to address what you just said. Okay. Um, so Chris Webber, a few weeks ago, I, th- I can't remember if it was the first round, like one of the first few games or the end of the season, said after a hard foul, he said the NBA is the toughest sport in the league. You know, we don't have pads. We fall on the floor. Right. I Addressing your Rangers rest issue, the NBA and the NHL, to me, aren't exactly comparable when it comes to toughness because – a foul in the NBA is having someone put a finger on your wrist. Yeah, if you breathe on the guy wrong, right. it's a foul, especially so if you're LeBron anybody James. Anybody who thinks that rest in hockey and rest in the NBA are anywhere even close to, to comparable is, no. is, is wrong. I would agree with you 100%. And uh, so the NBA, I think, is a hard game to play. It's a tough game. It's a physical game. But it doesn't match what the NHL guys have to do in a back-to-back. I mean, a back-to-back in the NHL... I, it just makes me hurt thinking about it. The NBA, if you stretch out, 
you know, there are going to be guys that are banged up, especially the older guys, but it's a little easier. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, Kevin Durant won the MVP. Yes, he did. And we had predicted that, and I think it was correct. I think, you know, it Even was LeBron his year. said he deserved yeah. it. So. It was his year, and I think it, the, the NBA had its mind made up a while ago. He came out and he spoke, and it was one of the most honest and unbelievable things that I've watched in sports. I know you didn't get a chance to see it, but you should. Right. And if any of our listeners haven't seen it, you should watch it. He goes through every one of his teammates, including what I found most interesting was Karan Butler, who just became a member of the Thunder. And he said, Karan, he, he's weeping. He said, Karan, uh, I know I've only known you for a few months, but you left a note in my locker after two straight losses that just said, KD, keep your head up. You're the MVP. And he just went through each teammate, Kendrick Perkins, Russell Westbrook, told these guys what they meant to him, talked about his mother and his grandmother. No script, no prompter. Everything was from the heart. Yep. Um, he was dressed. I, I know this sounds odd, but in sports, so many guys, you know, come up to the, you know, the, what's it called? Uh, I don't know, the press conference. We'll call it the podium. The podium, yeah. yeah. Uh, just dressed like idiots. And Kevin Durant looked and acted like a total gentleman. It was really just great to watch. Well, if you saw the the interview he did with the media after, you know, game five, I believe it was, where the headline was he was Mr. Unreliable, that hurt him. I, I mean, this is a guy who has... Not only what it hurt him, it's stupid. It it's stupid. It's stupid, yeah, but, but it hurt him, and, and rightfully so. You know, this is a guy that's given his career for this franchise and came into what was a moribund franchise on the verge of relocating and... And has turned it into a, a power along with Westbrook and the guys around him. Now, obviously, he can't do it himself because no man can do it himself unless you're LeBron James in 2006. He kind of did do it himself. That said, he knows that every guy on down from, you know, the Westbrooks and the Perkins to Reggie Jackson and the guys on the bench to Karan Butler, who only came in a while ago, makes that team what it is and makes him Kevin Durant. He's a great player on his own. In that team environment with that group of guys, he is the most valuable right. player in the NBA. Yeah, it's totally And true. he's the kind of guy that understands that and gets it and knows that. And so, yeah, it did hurt him, and rightfully so, when someone called him that, because this is a guy who's given everything for that franchise, and after one bad stretch, the media is turning on him. That's, that's, that's bull. And people don't realize – I mean, maybe you do realize, but I, I think it needs to be said. Oklahoma City has three straight losing seasons. That franchise is in, is in doubt. Yeah, because you never know how many people are going to start showing up to games. It's right. a small market, very small for the NBA. Yeah. Kevin Durant is single-handedly keeping them afloat. Yeah, and uh, he brings people to the stadium. He has turned that franchise into a juggernaut in the Western Conference. So I totally agree. He he is the deserving MVP. Winner. It's very akin to how Reggie Miller made the Pacers relevant for so long in the you know in the nineties. With the Knicks being good and the Bulls being good and the Lakers and the Celtics and all that. And Reggie Miller kind of kept this small market team relevant. I mean, they had a lot of good players alongside him, but, you know, it, it's sort of a, a similar kind of scenario, I would say. I just, I'm looking down at my phone. I just got two emails from the New Jersey Transit Survey Administration. Have you been taking Jersey Transit to the games? No, I, I, I took it a little while ago. Uh, but I, that's just very annoying. I'm not sure how they got my email address. I, I don't know. I just don't like when that happens. Spammers. Um, another thing we wanted to talk about, Lou, uh, Mariano Rivera mentions that you know yep. he would rather take Dustin Pedroia over Robinson Cano uh, because you know he thinks Pedroia is a hard worker. Michael Kay said on the air yesterday that he also says in his book 
that, you know, Cano is just not he, – he's got the talent to be a Hall of Famer, but he's just – the work ethic isn't there. I'm paraphrasing. It's not what he said. Right. Um, Are you surprised at all? No. I'm just going to say a blanket no, and here's why. If anyone else had said that, it would be chalked up to, oh, it's New York bashing Cano for leaving and taking the money and this and that. And I made my feelings clear on, on how the people feel about that last week. Mariano Rivera, for 20 years, exemplified class, dignity, the winning attitude, like went out there. You know, he could blow three straight saves and go out there and have a nine-pitch inning and say, you know, F you, I'm back. He is the ultimate role model in sports, him and Derek Jeter. You know, so for him to say that carries weight. It's oh, not just, yes. oh, you know, Cano, whatever, he left, forget him. It's this is how it is in terms of perception. You know, we've all said over the years to ourselves or, or wherever, you know, everybody's like, oh, Cano doesn't hustle this, that, blah, 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 blah. For Mariano Rivera to come out and say that he would rather have a guy like Pedroia who's fired up who may not have the quote-unquote talent of Cano or, or other players, but works hard to be the best and is scrappy and you know will give you everything he has. That's the kind of guy Mariano Rivera is. So it's not surprising in the slightest that he would choose Dustin Pedroia in that situation. Let's remember also this, this isn't like a uh, David Eckstein we're talking about in Dustin Pedroia. He has right. an MVP award and Robinson he's, Cano doesn't. He's the second best second right. baseman so in the American League. This is not a, a really drastic right. kind of choice on the part of Mariano Rivera, but I totally agree with you. It carries about as much weight. Uh, Mariano Rivera's voice carries about as much weight as any player in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And especially, you know, when it comes to a guy, you know, this is another Spanish-speaking player. I am sure that Mariano Rivera, in the time that he was on the team with Robinson Cano, did a lot of nurturing for Cano. I mean, yep. a young player coming up, you don't have to be play the same position to talk to a guy about what it's like to be in the Major Leagues. Clearly, Robinson Cano never made an impression on Mariano Rivera. As in nine years. Guy, right. As the kind of guy that really desperately wanted to learn. Right. And that's a shame. And you know what? I'm sure in he's got a 10-year contract. So even if he retires after that, we'll give him 15. We'll say 2030. If you and I are still here, we might be having this conversation where is Cano – did Cano Jim Rice himself in terms of Hall of Fame worthiness? You know, he's a very good to, to great player who could have been so much better. But he just didn't want to put in the effort. I mean, we'll see if that's how it pans out. Roberts is another one of those guys who, you know, may not have the quote unquote talent of, of Cano in terms of what he does, but gives you everything he's got whenever he's out there on the diamond. I mean, he's one of those guys, along with Pedroia, who as a Yankee fan, you know, you, you can hate the Red Sox, you can hate the Orioles, the Blue Jays, yada, yada, but there's guys in that team you have to just respect for the way they play the game. Pedroia and until this year, Brian Roberts were two of those guys. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. I, I'm not surprised by it. I think that, you know, it says something about Robinson Cano that we've all kind of assumed. Now we can kind of Now take, somebody with a voice right, is exactly. saying this. Now somebody with an opinion that we know to respect in baseball, right. a former player, has come out and said it. Until that point, we've kind of just all had our, you know, been assuming. Oh, yeah, it doesn't run out of yeah, balls and this and that, blah, 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 blah. What was his biggest hit in pinstripes, that kind of thing. Never wanted the huge spotlight. And part of the reason maybe that he left New York. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that may go along with that is, is maybe it's a realization that if you watch Robinson Cano play second base, not even in the batter's box, if you watch him play second base, it, it comes easy to him. Maybe he takes his talent for granted. 
I mean, maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe he takes his talent for granted. He wasn't a hugely touted prospect. The Rangers could have had him in the A-Rod trade, and they took Joaquin Arias instead. Good job there. But maybe he just takes it for granted. He's like, oh, yeah, this comes easy to me. I can just kind of do whatever and, and kind of thing. And Yeah. Um, let's see. Is there anything else we wanted to, uh, to talk about? Well, the Yankees are one and one on their road trip so far to Anaheim uh, with the, the rubber game tonight, and then they head to Milwaukee. They're off Thursday, which works out perfectly for those of us who want to watch the first round of the NFL draft. Um you know the NBA, like we said, it's we've got we're shaping up to have four good series again in the second round, hopefully, uh, depending on how the Nets respond to their 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 game one loss. Hockey, Montreal, you know, beat Boston. That's going to be a great series. The Rangers tonight, if they lose three one, is a whole different animal than two two, especially going back to Pittsburgh in game five. So yeah, I'm and, stub hub stalking right and, now. And here's one where you can. You can make fun of me for my pick. I picked Anaheim to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they're not doing so well in the second round against the Kings. So, yeah, the Kings are on fire right now. You can, um, yeah, they've won what six in a row now. Yeah, so I mean, it's okay, Lou. I picked the Blues. You're not talking to a genius here, right? Yeah, if if we could predict the future, one of us would have hit Powerball by now. So, yeah, that's the know. way life works. Um, the one thing I am StubHub stalking, as I've as I like to call it, for yep. tonight's Rangers game. Uh, I live about four blocks from the Garden, so it's. It's not a huge tax to me, other than the fact that I spend money I don't have on the tickets. Right. Um, so, yeah, big game for the Rangers tonight. 2-2 heading back to Pittsburgh would be really nice. That'd be nice. Uh, we'll see if they can get it. It would be nice. Um, one quick note. I don't know if any of you that are listening are listening for the first time because, you know, we've had a, we had a really cool guest on, let's be real. And um, hmm. if you are. Uh, what took you so long? No, uh, yeah, seriously. I, I agree with that sentiment. <laughs> I'm also saying uh, the Yes Men podcast is available on iTunes. If you're listening on yesnetwork.com, it's – wow, I said that very strangely. If you're listening on yesnetwork.com, it's also available on iTunes. You can uh, subscribe to it for free if you have the podcast app on your iPhone. It just downloads while you're sleeping or during the day whenever you're connected to Wi-Fi and you don't have to pay for it. You can listen on your commute. Yep. You'll learn about sports. Um, you know, it's it's funny. It's fun. We, we if, keep it yeah. light. And if you have that app, you can listen to other great podcasts like The Chris Sheeran Show, which also is yep. a yesnetwork.com That's Doug exactly Williams production. Yep. Minor League Monthly uh, will be coming out next week. Let's uh, lose monthly update on the Yankees Baby Bombers. The Baby the Bombers. Minor we'll be uh, – we'll Doing Charleston next next week. Um, also, Rich Eisen's podcast, which yeah, we, we, were, you, we hope you, know you listen Just to. download the podcast app yeah. and, and and give all these guys some love. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's this this is what we love to do, so this is why we do it. Yeah. So you know, spread the word and 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 keep listening to us if if you're listening for the first or the thirty whatever number we're up to with time. Uh, that is going to do it for this edition of the Yes Men. We'd like to thank Rich Eisen once again for coming on and sharing 15 minutes of, of greatness with us. Um, next week will be a little weird. We're hoping to be able to do a, uh, a an episode of the Yes Men uh, from Yankee Stadium in the midst of the Subway Series. Our schedules are a little weird because as of probably about midnight next Wednesday morning, I am off for the rest of the month. Yeah, I'm going to be hosting either by myself or with others. Um, I'm hoping to get some really cool guests on. I have a few leads on that. Lou is uh, Lou's getting hitched. Yep. Lou is days. getting married. He found someone to spend the rest of his life with. So, yeah. God help her. But yeah. yes, <laughs> so, I am nowhere near marriage though. So nobody worry. I Doug will, will be here to carry you through. You, I am uh, too young to get married. So. 
that's life. Well, I'll be back in three weeks. I mean, you I'll know, probably it's not be. like I'm going to be gone forever. Uh, yeah. You might like – I don't know if the podcast will still be going by. Well, time. you know what? After three weeks, you might just eclipse me and be like, I don't need him you know, and just go on. And this totally becomes the Doug Williams show. Who, yeah. should I, who would I get? Maybe I'll just get like Dave Letterman to co-host with me once. Right. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. He's, and you're these just, boys are your dad, right? So and, you're you're just, just, and you're just yeah. cuckolded. I mean cuckold city like you read about. Yeah. Actually, one thing you just reminded me about that. One thing we didn't ask Rich Eisen, but I, I thought was fun is that, uh, and I'm going to give it, I'm going to give a shout out to to Barstool Sports, who which we, you you do very right. Doug and I read frequently. Uh, one of their bloggers posted uh, a link to the actual Wonderlick test yesterday that the, the you know the NFL draftees take, and, and for those who make a big deal about the scores, you know, everyone's like, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick got a 50 or whatever, and Vince Young got a six. Vince Young obviously turned out to be a bad football player too, but I took the Wonderlick this morning. I ran out of time, but I had a perfect score going when I ran out of time, and none of that made any sense in terms of actual football IQ. I get the quick thinking. Or well, the, you, like, did you actually think it was recall? questions about football? No, I knew it wasn't questions about football, but it, it's one of those things where it's like if it takes me 45 seconds to figure out some kind of complex math equation, how does that translate to anything they're going to see on the football field? It doesn't. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. They have to test their smarts in I mean, some way, yeah, right? You might as well just put a you Scantron want... in front of them and, and make them take you know, the Iowa tests again. Yes. That would be a, a more <laughs> accurate representation. It seems like it's kind of like a, a halvesy between doing nothing and doing something. Right. Sort of a, sort of a half, uh, half-hearted effort at, at making them. I would say a happy medium, but uh, it's not a it's, happy medium. It's a medium. I don't think anybody's happy to take it. Well, I hope you take it. I got a 43, and I ran out of time. So. I don't want to take it. I got the same score as Eric Decker, who I completely forgot was on the Jets, by the way. So bad job out of me on that yeah, one. Yeah, that was nice. Rich really put you to yeah, the that, there. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He signed Eric Decker. Damn it. Anyway. So anyway, that, that is, with that out of the way, going to do it for the Yes Men. He's Doug. I'm Lou. Please keep listening to us. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Until next time, enjoy yourselves.